This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of the Middle East Report studio in Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Congress is still out of session. Bit of a slow news day, so uh, we thought it was a good time for another edition of Chip Chat with Chip Gibbons. He came on the show to brief us on the latest with the Julian Assange indictment. There's another indictment, and they're going for it all with this one, uh, charging a publisher under the Espionage Act. So we talked with Chip about that and other topics. Enjoy. Did you see Rachel Maddow is angry about the Espionage Act indictment of Assange because... (laughs) it means the UK won't extradite him. And she seems to be implying the Trump administration has deliberately done this to prevent extradition. Wow, she's still on this, huh? She's still <laughs> she's still on one. Uh, we are joined by Chip Gibbons in another edition of Chip Chat. And here is the Chip Chat disclaimer. Chip is the Policy and Legislative Council for Defending Rights and Dissent. The views expressed here are his own. Follow him on Twitter at ChipGibbons89. Uh, in addition to that, Chip, of course, is also a journalist. You probably have read his work in either Jacobin or The Nation. Or The Washington Post. Or The Washington Post. Uh, you could In these times, even. In these times. That's four. We have almost got six. I'm thinking enough sides for a dice. So you could roll some dice and see what publication Chip has, uh, has, has written for, uh, create, create, like create some dice thing? just for, like just for Central, Chip. Uh, um, telethon. You call now, you give $25, you get dice with all the publications Chip has been in. Just yes. always trying to think of more <laughs> ways to gamble. Gift. It's like a terrible gift, but I, uh, <laughs> appreciate, I appreciate being invited on. So uh, we'll just wind you up here and set you off, Chip. Uh, we're going to be talking I'm about... I'm already set off for the day, so, you know, minimal we... winding required. Um, so we had another indictment come out against Assange. First, I guess, your reaction to the reaction to the indictment, it seems. Uh, we've had Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren come out against it. Some other senators come out against it. Um, lots of journalists coming out uh, against it. Yeah, so I would say the general response has been largely positive in that most of the major newspapers seem to understand what is at stake. Uh, I believe in the New York Times article about the indictment, they said, well, Assange is not a traditional journalist from a legal standpoint of the First Amendment. Distinguishing what he does from what journalists do is, you know, nearly impossible. I believe, you know, all of the press freedom groups and First Amendment groups are pretty much in uh, united that there is no circumstance in which a publisher of truthful information that's in the public interest should be uh, 
charged under the Espionage Act. This has never happened before in U.S. history. And I would say, and there was also a, a Washington Post article that uh, two of the prosecutors involved in this strongly and vehemently objected to it. So there is a real sense that Trump has crossed the Rubicon with with this, which is, is good because, I mean, Assange is a figure that has been subject to a lot of derision in, in, in the mainstream media. And, and, and you know, I, I've been on your program before, and I've, I, I've criticized someone on an individual level. I, I find the types of things WikiLeaks tweets about, like, feminism to be really reprehensible. But so far, I have not seen a lot of conflation with that at least in 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 the main in the mainstream media um if you have the bad judgment like i do and are on social media uh i know sam knight finally exercise had judgment exercised for him and it's no longer it's finally free of the prison of social media not true fake news (laughs) (laughs) partially true like like most fake news there's some partial truth (laughs) anyway Sam Knight is not to be found. That's true. That's the like partially that. true part of it, yes. Can't find Sam Knight one. Can't find Sam Knight underscore one. So. <laughs> just we Sam Knight. Yeah. Well, last time last time you were on the... But some of the reactions on, on social media are, of course, predictable, bizarre. Uh, Chris Hayes tweeted something like, you know, this is very bad. And the bulk of responses were like, oh, can Putin say he's a journalist too? And just this really weird um, fixation that this has something somehow to do with Russiagate and the election. I believe Hillary Clinton is the only person who's really come out in, in favor of this, and she called them Russian <laughs> WikiLeaks or whatever. So there is this sort of weird. And Eric Garland obviously is having a a meltdown that Bernie Sanders has disgraced the Republic of Vermont. Um, but in, in terms of reactions from public figures, Ron Wyden has come out against this. Uh, in terms of presidential candidates. The teens who run Mike Gravel's account have come out against it. I assume Mike, I assume Mike Gravel as well is against it. Uh, Bernie Sanders pleasantly came out against it because, like many people who are sympathetic to his campaign, I was really terrified he was going to say something horrible about it. WikiLeaks. Elizabeth Warren came out against the prosecution. She gave an interesting statement because she said that Assange has damaged national security, but this Espionage Act business threatens press freedom. And then Tulsi Gabbard, who had come out against the previous indictment, uh, has, has again reiterated her concerns. Last time around, I believe, and Ron Wyden, if I haven't mentioned that, also put out a yeah, statement. You got it. Last time around, the only two who came out against it were the Gravel team, or three came out against it, were the Gravel teams, Rokahana and Gabbard. I don't know if Rokahana has put out a statement on, on the latest charges. I would be surprised if he had not, but I don't want to say something that is not true. I mean, we can, I've already been accused I, yeah, of engaging well. fake news once a day. So, <laughs> I think I think we can safely assume that Ro Khanna thinks the additional charges are bad. If he came out with the correct position the first time, uh, when the charges were also obviously bad, um, but 
maybe people weren't ready to react to the unauthorized, you know, password bullcrap uh, charges as they were to the Espionage Act charges. But they also, I think, as you noted on our uh, previous time you were on our show, that the espionage charges uh, complicate. And as you noted about Rachel Maddow having her freak out, that the espionage charges may complicate. Uh, the extradition process. What, what's the latest on that? Sure. So the um, the, extra, the UK US extradition treaty excludes extradition for political offenses. Um, a number of it's not clear how that will play out. That's not a term that's generally defined. Uh, when I was in law school, I learned that uh, treason, sedition, and espionage were all the three classic political offenses. But so it, it seems to me that this is, you know, because you, you, you don't allow espionage to be indictable because there are some folks at Langley or I'm sorry, extraditable because, you know, there are some folks at Langley who I'm sure have committed espionage against people we have extradition with. We're not going to let them, you know, call up and be like, hey, please extradite the CIA. You know, it, it doesn't make sense have that be an extraditable offense. So I don't really know what the Justice Department is playing at here. I don't think they would bring the charges if they thought they would fail. And and on top of that, the timing here is very fascinating. You know, they brought them out on, I believe it was a Thursday before Memorial Day weekend. So, you know, People are going to be busy doing other things. But in terms of the United Kingdom, you know, that was the day the EU elections had begun. Not that I think the Justice Department cares much about the EU elections, but it, it seemed very obvious at that point that the current prime minister would not be prime minister for much longer. And, and you know, she was not. Um, in the UK, the final decision over extradition rests with the Home Secretary. It seems like if there is a general election, um, there's and, and Corbyn was to get in, uh, that you know they wouldn't extradite him. So I don't know what their 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 gambit is here. Um, well, it makes it so, even it makes it even stranger because I mean when we have I mean, two different the shadow the shadow home secretary is Diane Abbott. Diane Abbott is the member of the Labour Party who got up on the floor of the Parliament and condemned the request for extradition under the previous charge. Obviously, it takes a very long time to extradite. Um, if there is a general election in the interim, and Diane Abbott is is. Um, Home Secretary, absent some of the very British coup type, you know, antics, <laughs> I, 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 which you know we should be bracing ourselves for. Um, but, but one of the explanations I saw was that the current Home Secretary, whose name I'm blanking on, wants to be Prime Minister, and that he possibly might think that doing this quickly. It's Boris Johnson, right? Well, Boris Johnson is yeah. not no, the Boris current Johnson. Home Secretary, but right. he he is uh, the top favorite to be the next yeah. Conservative Party yeah. leader and therefore but next that, Prime but Minister. But if you're Home Secretary and you want to be Prime Minister, curry in favor with the U.S. is, you know, something something you might want if you're a sort of, you know, careerist Tory or careerist Blair, Blairite type as well. You know, there's careerists in all the parties. 
well, unfortunately. I, I make of this second indictment, and you kind of alluded to this, as the Trump administration just giving zero fucks at this point, because with the first indictment where they're uh, charging Assange with trying to help crack a password uh, on, on a computer, um, that was enough, That was kind of all they needed to extradite Assange, at least, to at least begin so it, proceedings against him. And they included that part, though, that was still disturbing in that first indictment about how he had solicited for more information. They included journalistic activities in that first indictment, and we were wondering if that those were the sort of shot across the bow to journalists. And then... A month later or so, just an indictment full on 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 publishing the stuff we thought that they were trying to work around with the first indictment. They're just full blown going for it with the second one. You know, Kevin Gastalza, I believe that's how you say his name, who's with Shadowproof and was one of the only journalists to actually cover the court martial of Chelsea Manning and has done just phenomenal work reporting on. Uh, national security issues involving whistleblowers since. I mean, he read the um, first indictment and noted that it read like an Espionage Act indictment. Some of the language in it was language straight out of the Espionage Act or common to Espionage Act indictments. The Pentagon Papers lawyer made a very similar claim that like there's clearly and and it's unfortunate because while the press was much better this time, there are a number of people last time who were just like, oh, it's not about press freedom. It's about password hacking. Nothing to see here. And it's like, I don't think that's the case. Um, so it's, it's, it's not – I don't have any good insights into what's going on at the Department of Justice – I don't know why they would do this if it would prevent extradition and they could get him on cracking uh, a computer password or or something else, perhaps. Um, I I don't want to get conspiratorial or anything like that, but it, it, it seems to me like they must have thought this through. Of course, expecting the Justice Department to have thought something through is you know, oftentimes will lead to disappointment. You know, I'm not Rachel Meadow. I don't believe they're purposely bringing the Espionage Act indictment because they know that will block extradition and they have some sort of ulterior secretive moment here, uh, motive here. Um, in fact, I find that well, maybe uh, remarkably delusional. It, it, maybe not. I could see there being um, not an ulterior motive to uh, to sort of botch the case but there it, it, it's possible because with the Trump when trying to look for a logic to how Trump governs sometimes the point obviously is cruelty and if it's possible that they thought even the lesser charges would get thrown out on first amendment grounds then they may as well just try to throw everything they have so that in the interim before Assange and Manning are uh, both finally uh, exonerated. They they can have this really messy, awful procedure that um, just r- sort of ruins their lives, um, it, or is at least aimed at, at at making their lives difficult. And uh, and basically, that is the point, perhaps. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't personally think Trump made this decision. I, 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 I don't think he's sitting around thinking about the Espionage Act and these sorts of political calculations. Um, sure, but I, the people in his circle... The people, the people in his circle are, yeah. You can also see and, disagreements in the Justice Department about whether or not to pursue uh, Espionage Act charges, and there being a disagreement between people, career officials and political appointees or something, and then maybe one side wins out with the first indictment, and then the other side's like, no, nah, let's just push forward with it all, and they so push that. what the Associated Press has in the article about how some prosecutors disagreed with the decision is that Jeff Sessions asked the U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Virginia to take a second look at prosecuting Assange. And and, and you could see a a Jeff Sessions type who has a long-term agenda of making these sorts of national security laws that are already very draconian, already a threat to democracy, even more draconian, even more threatening, and actually has some sort of coherent understanding of the mechanisms by which to do that, you could see him trying to pursue this. Um, so, and, and it's worth pointing out that there are probably people, not just within the Justice Department, but within the vast apparatuses of the national security establishment that have long wanted to prosecute a journalist under the Espionage Act. I mean, they've, they've never done it before, but that doesn't mean it was never considered to be done. I believe the Ford administration considered Cy Hirsch. I mean, they didn't do it. Um, James Bamford, the the uh, author of The Puzzle Palace about the NSA, was threatened by Reagan. You know, so, so there has been... There was some CIA director who wanted to prosecute Time Magazine, Newsweek, and The Washington Post under the espionage, obviously it went nowhere, but there, there are forces within the national security establishment who have long wanted this. Um, someone somewhere at the top has always been like, wait a moment, you want to do what now? And obviously with Trump at the helm, there's, there's not a person to do that. Well, it's kind of like with the Pentagon and he always given his generals and stuff at the Pentagon free reign to do whatever they want and they go and drop the Moab and... Maybe he's just given the Department of Justice free reign, and they're going to just go for it here. Yeah, I, I think that's what's happened, and I, and I think, you know, he, in spite of all of this, you know, brouhaha in the media about how Trump is at odds with the intelligence community, I think in a lot of ways they have the most sympathetic person they've ever had in the White House when it comes to, you know, expanding drone strikes tearing apart press freedom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's gotten lost because, I mean, so much of the fixation has been on this narrative that Trump is at odds with the national security candidate, not national security establishment. You know, there's there's this weird perception that he's somehow uh, anti-interventionist at a time when he's expanded U.S. drone strikes to Somalia. He's leading record number of drone strikes Total. Yeah, we've all we've all seen those Michael Tracy tweets pandering to his Reddit fans. So I I went there. I went there. Sorry. I'm not going to go there. I'm less concerned (laughs) with that person whose people's fixation on. I'm I'm not entirely understanding of most because I, I don't really understand who he is beyond he's on Twitter and people either really hate him or really are willing to die on a hill of defending him, and I am, you know, 
disinterested in, in those sorts of Twitter personality conflicts. But but the media has helped promote this narrative of Trump is at odd with the national security establishment. Trump is at odd with the intelligence community. Trump is harmful for our national security. He's Putin's puppet. Um, I don't know. My favorite Rachel Meadows segment of the last – I don't usually watch her, but people post her worst hits on Twitter – I uh, hate myself enough to do so, where she was telling us we had to feel feel bad for John Bolton because he thought, and this was her words, he thought his job was saber-rattling, but the president only listens to Putin and won't let him start a war with Venezuela. So on a human level, you have to. I'm like, no, no, actually, I don't. But you, you, you get that narrative throughout the media, and as a result, you know, the entire conversation is framed as, is Trump this threat to national security? Is he feuding with, you know, the top brass at the Pentagon? Meanwhile, his, you know, first set of cabinet picks were a bizarrely large number of generals. Meanwhile, he is increasing U.S. airstrikes overseas. Meanwhile, he's increasing drone strikes. Meanwhile, he's expanding the defense budget. Meanwhile, he's basically restarted an arms race with Russia. And 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 no one ever talks about that because it doesn't fit the narrative that that the media has decided on and it's it's interesting that you know you'll see this weird sort of conflation or sort of convergence between the national security hawk wing of the quote-unquote resistance which wants a bigger military budget to like confront russia with and trump who wants to have the biggest military budget ever and the one side thinks they're resisting trump by giving him you know more tanks more guns more bombs and he himself is like more tanks more guns more bombs please and it's just this sort of total you know nonsensical world in which we are you know of illusions in which we're forced to to be subjected to well given how the media acts it's surprising that it's taken this long for uh, espionage act charges to come against the journalists as they are to Assange because if you think about the uh, some of the laws that have been on the books uh, basically carving out a, 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 a putting a big asterisk on the First Amendment and I'm thinking the uh, Intelligence Identities Act I'm probably getting the name wrong but you know what I'm talking about where you the can't... one that was passed after uh, what was this? the guy who wrote inside the company or whatever his philogy the one targeting philogy well the, basically saying it's illegal to publish the name of a of a covert cia agent which by the way if you know the name of cia agents operating uh in caracas for example and you're a journalist it is your absolute duty <laughs> to publish that information in, in my that opinion law was that law was passed as a response to there was a guy named Philip AG he used to print he was a former CIA guy he used to print the names of CIA agents operating clandestinely and the Carter administration claimed there was no law on the books to um prosecute him under um based on how the espionage act has been used today I I I think they probably could have gotten them on that. So Congress responded by passing the Intelligence Identity Protection Act because the Carter DOJ claimed there were no laws with which to prosecute Philip AG. So this is the uh, second administration that's uh, taken liking with using the Espionage Act to go after 
whistleblowers, journalist sources, or in this case, actual publishers. Um, how does this end, other other than the bad ending, which is they secure conviction on these charges against Assange and begin the process of outlawing dissenting journalism, but is is there is there benefit to having a trial and an exoneration from all of these to stop this? Otherwise, how else do you stop this? You have, except maybe getting someone elected to the White House who's against this sort of stuff, which would only be like two or three of the candidates in the entire Democratic field. And even then, they would still be beholden yes. to, you know, the, I don't want to say deep state, but... um the group of permanent alien transnational security establishment. The Eastern District who, of Virginia. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, I don't know. I, I the, the the risk here is so high. I don't want to say that a trial and exoneration would be good. I mean, first of all, a, a jury doesn't get to decide the constitutionality of charges. Juries are, quote-unquote, finders of fact. They're not finders of law. Judges are finders of law. So only a judge can rule on the constitutionality. Um, if this somehow gets beyond extradition, the charges are not thrown out ahead of time, and then Assange goes to trial in the Eastern District of Virginia, I don't feel really great about the outcome there. And then, of course, you have have appeals. But, I mean, that could take a long time. And uh, the Roberts Court has some very interesting thoughts on, you know, the First Amendment preventing you from having to, like, provide reproductive health care to your employees or uh, campaign finance limits, or unions, but I, I don't, I, if a court was going to, you know, throw us back to the dark ages, I think it would be this one. Yeah, don't have much it, hope it, in the uh, Roberts it, it, Court. It's clear Supreme Court precedent that a journalist cannot be held criminally liable for illegally obtained information so long as a third party obtained it, not them. And I, I suspect that's why they threw in the silliness of, of the conspiracy to crack the password, because then they can try to distinguish um, what Assange does from the New York Times, potentially. But I, I, I you know, it, it, it's such a clear line to me that prohibits this, but I also just don't have faith in the courts as they are now. Any other stuff floating around in your head, Chip, that you want to get out before we end this edition of sure. Chip Chat? I, I just want to point out that this is one of several, um, one of two uh, Espionage Act indictments since um, I believe we probably spoke last. Daniel Hale, who is allegedly a, a drone whistleblower, was indicted under the Espionage Act. Um, sort of similar to Assange, his house was raided. Well, not some, his house was raided under the Obama administration in 2014, and, and and no one ever pursued charges against him. It's very clear he was very outspoken on the use of drones. He appears in the movie uh, National Bird wearing a. Um, 
a pin to free Chelsea Manning. National Bird is a film about drone whistleblowers. He appeared publicly and spoke on panels with Jeremy Scahill, who has written a lot about drones. So someone has really been out there. And they're now accusing him of having given in violation of the Espionage Act a, a number of um, top-secret documents about drones that are um, to an unnamed reporter, but it's very clearly Jeremy Scahill and, and The Intercept. And, you know, with Daniel Hale, with Assange, I mean, what's really at stake here is the right to expose U.S. war crimes. You know, we, we never really talk about what it is that WikiLeaks has shown the world. You know, I, I mentioned in, in my In These Times article that, you know, two members of the company that were involved in the collateral murder strike, uh, Ethan McCord and Josh Deaver, they both came public after the strike and, 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 and talked about it and talked about how that was an abhorrent act, but it wasn't, you know, it was the norm in Iraq, not, not the exception. And so we're, and drones, obviously, we understand how that relates to, to sort of these war crimes and, and not just war crimes, but stuff like the U.S., bullying Haiti into not raising their minimum wage, just the basic function of the U.S. as an empire. And, I mean, this is certainly an attack on press freedom broadly, and we should talk about it as such, but we shouldn't lose sight of the, um, the fact that these are specifically attacks on the right to expose U.S. empire and make the public aware of what are the realities of that. What does that mean for the people of Iraq? What does that mean for the people of Haiti? What does it mean for us as a country that, you know, we supposedly, you know, don't have money for health insurance when people are not able to afford insulin, but we have plenty of money to go, you know, help Saudi Arabia destroy Yemen. And to help U.S. diplomats all around the world act as uh, PR representatives for multinational corporations, as if you look at any of the WikiLeaks cables from uh, they will quickly tell you the diplomatic cables that uh, we, we carry the water uh, for, for corporate for corporations specific very specific corporations in, in very specific countries all over the world pick a country pick their files uh, they got they got a US corporation fucking their shit up Haiti is, is one of the better examples of that because it's like a garment corporation like who wants to keep wages low in Haiti and the State Department. And and people should ask themselves, like, do we as the American people, do we want our diplomatic corps to serve to drive down wages in one of the poorest countries in the world so Levi Strauss can make blue jeans for a fraction of the cost of what they sell them to us? I, I imagine the answer would not be yes, of course. But you know, I would love that a referendum on, you know, the blue jean question. Chip Gibbons is a journalist whose work has been featured in Jacobin and The Nation and The Washington Post and In These Times and possibly two other publications to complete a Chip Gibbons special limited edition dice <laughs> where you roll the dice and a publication comes up. Chip, Chip. 
Yeah. What What are yeah. your thoughts on aliens? What do you think? You think the aliens exist? There's been a lot of news reports about aliens. This is probably out of your lane a bit, but uh, are you an alien guy or not? <laughs> if I was an alien and I came and saw Donald Trump and, you know, all of this craziness, I would get right back in my flying saucer and never come back. Donald Trump, turn around. <laughs> We're heading back. <laughs> We we gotta hope I mean, that if you're, if you're an alien, I mean, I, I have to assume there are better places to visit in this universe and this planet. If there aren't, then the universe is in terrible shape. There's a lot of people being scolds online, saying obviously aliens don't exist. There's tons of other explanations for this. Um, I'm going out there and I'm saying that I, I'm leaning toward the uh, extraterrestrial explanation for these UFOs. I mean, the UFOs obviously exist. There's <laughs> obviously shit flying around that we have not identified. It's a UFO conspiracy. No, I just just popped in my head at the end of the interview, and I was curious your thoughts on it. That's all. So and we're not I mainly this part. Then, no, it we? is. It's coming out. Well, it's funny that you interrupted me right as I was about to say that uh, Chip is only here to express his own views and not the views of defending rights and dissent, That's where known. he is, this is known. <laughs> legislative counsel. Look, we uh, chief UFOologist, defending rights and dissent. Chip, I'm just saying, keep it, keep an eye out for those X Files, Chip. Chip, where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Chip Gibbons 89, where I do not tweet about UFOs or aliens or other conspiracy theories, but I do talk a lot about the national security uh, establishment and the sycophants who enable it. Sensing a lot of condescension there <laughs> toward people who report and write about aliens. Final episode of Chip Chat. Chip Chat canceled. <laughs> Thanks, Chip. Uh, I will be back if you have me back. Of course. I'm not generally invited back now, but uh, no, no, you're we'll fine. Let you back on. We're, we're we, uh, okay. we we allow uh, dissent on alien discussions yeah, it, here. It, it, if we no platformed everyone who believed uh, or who is strongly anti uh, UFO, then we probably would have had very few interviews. Yeah, I feel like we have to clarify that we're talking about anti-alien. We need to settle that UFOs exist, and it's just a matter of who's piloting them at this point. <laughs> I am going to go with no comment. Right. Good All idea. Right. See ya. Thanks again to Chip. That'll do it for District Sentinel Radio today. Subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel, so you can get the newscast every Monday through Thursday. We've got a new one coming out tomorrow featuring some haiku and some listener voicemails. Stay tuned for that. Thanks to our sponsors, the Congressional Dish Podcast, hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Another sponsor, the Middle East Report. Find it at merip.org. We're back tomorrow. We're here in D.C. so that you don't have to be.